What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I get a chance to chat with Biff Naked. We chat about working in the studio, book tours versus rock tours, and BMX riding. The coffee that is along for the ride today is a dark roast from McDonald's. And now, here is my chat with Biff Naked. Well, it is awesome to have you on the show today, Biff. How are things? Things are awesome. How are things with you? Oh, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I mean, it's just awesome to have you on my show today. Um, you said that you were in the studio doing a little bit of recording. How's that going? Oh, it's so much fun. I mean, you know, we've, we've always been recording and, and putting out singles as, as, the, as artists are want to do. Um, but we started working on a new record. Uh, when we got off the road last November, and uh, yeah, it's just been it's just been really seamless and fun and funny and loud and loud and loud, <laughs> and uh, it's just been really exciting. And when do you think you're going to be releasing any of the new stuff? I don't know. I'm hoping like by summer. I mean, I always I always hope for summer, but we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, you know, you can you can record. 60 songs, usually a record, we usually put out about 10. And uh, nowadays, you know, artists are really motivated just to keep putting singles out. And uh, as a result, it seems like uh, we never we never put out records anymore. We just keep putting out singles. So I think this year for sure we're going to just put out a record. Yeah, I guess. Well, I've talked to a few musicians and, and some are sort of in that camp of, yeah, let's just, when, just go in, do a song and release it and see how it goes. And then some are just in that mindset of we need to new do an album and have, you know, a bunch of songs so that we can go out on tour and play. Correct. And and that really seems to be the way um, it, it really is. You need to have, because, it, you know, it's not a revenue source, regardless of which way you do things. If you put out a single or if you put out an EP or if you put out a record, it doesn't seem to be a revenue source for artists anymore, but touring is. And uh, generally, having a product to support with a tour just makes the most sense for most artists. Now, you you kind of do a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of interesting tours where you do some of your shows are song and spoken word uh, yes. to go along with you, with your book. How did that come about? Well, honestly, it, it just kind of came about by accident. When I put the memoir out, it was in um, 2016. And HarperCollins was nice enough to to do that with me. And uh, it seems like uh, the book tours, just, you know, there wasn't ever any uh, revenue to it. You know, sometimes you'll get an honorarium to do a book reading. But generally, you know, you're just grateful to go and read your book anywhere. And so it was very different from the music business um, where Basically, you go play a rock show and you get paid. Uh, so my manager kind of just said, well, you know, we can't really just have you doing like running across the country on airplanes, doing a book tour every day. Just, you know, not not even making planes there, basically. So what we did was create an, an acoustic show uh, surrounding the book. And so I would I would read a specific story from from the book and then we would play the song that was related to the story. So people also got a bit of a retrospective into the, uh, just the entire repertoire 
uh, of all the records that I've done so far, and, and they could relate the story to the exact song that was written about it, which is it was kind of fun and funny. And I always uh, take questions from the audience, and I like to abuse Snake on stage. It's really Snake, and he plays acoustic guitar and basically sings the line, and I I read stories and sing. I guess it's a little bit of a a, a different atmosphere than just a straight out rock show. It is in that a lot of like, for example, on the Nashville tours when we did it, it was almost always in soft cedar theater. Uh, so that's always a different vibe, uh, regardless of whether or not it's licensed. It's just generally a different kind of evening. That's really enjoyable, and and uh, you know, often it's uh, part of my fan base that you know were my original fans who I've grown up with and and who've grown up with me. And, um, you know, every, they all have kids now. Everybody works. And, and so it's a bit of a, a night out for them. And they drag their husbands along who may not otherwise come. But <laughs> why, why wouldn't they want to come? <laughs> well, for a rock show, yes. But when it comes <laughs> to doing speeches and the, and the book tour, it's generally, it, it seems to be that often, often uh, it seems to be more, uh, more women in the audience. Now, now checking out your your Instagram, it's pretty evident that you're a diehard Vans shoe fan. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that all of us are. I mean, I I have a lot of a lot of uh, other sneakers, but yeah, generally those those seem to be what I wear every day. Now, how how many pairs do you actually have in your collection? Well, I tend to donate shoes every year. Um, so they they kind of rotate. Right now, I still have, you know, I don't know, well, probably five pairs of Vans that I rotate all the time. Some I only wear in the apartment, for example, because, <laughs> uh, you know, they have a hole in them or I don't want to wear them outside. And some of them I only wear for BMX riding because they are high tops and protect my ankles from my, my bear trap um, pedals that I have on my bike, which bang my my ankles all the time and, and uh, I've discovered that if I wear them to the gym I can do yoga in them because hmm. they're quite flat <laughs> yeah. so whereas with my with my running running shoes I can't really balance that well uh, but with the flat footed shoe they, they've been really fun so is there a pair out there that uh, you've wanted in your collection no, you know what? I've never, you know, I never buy them for myself. It's always snake buying them for me. So I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, or at least, you know, a lot of girls that I know. Uh, when you get with uh, a partner who says, let me buy you a pair of shoes, you know, you usually think that you're going to get some kind of slinky, you know, um, what I call bedroom shoes. You know, things you wouldn't wear in the grocery store, but, you know, they, they might be kind of... Uh, provocative or high heeled shoes or anything like that, that's not my husband. <laughs> he will buy me a pair of bands when he says, I'm going to buy you a pair of shoes for Valentine's Day or your birthday or Christmas. It's always bands. Well, you know what you're getting. That's exactly <laughs> correct. And I'm a slip-on person and he's definitely not slip-on. He wears high tops. Now, you, as you said, like you do, you do uh, BMX riding. Uh, moving to Toronto, are you like more of a street rider or are you a dirt track? Always street, always. And I've always been flat. 
flat street riding kind of girl. I, I've never been that uh, that much, that ambitious as far as BMXing goes. You know, ever since I don't know grade eight, the first guy we knew on the BMX was this kid named Billy Acevedo, and uh, he was the coolest kid, like the coolest kid in school. And he had big surprise checkerboard vans, and he had BMXs, and he was just like just so cool, but. I could never really do anything except, you know, little curb jumps and stuff. And as soon as you fall off your bike a couple of times, you kind of rein it in, or at least I did. And uh, I found that I was a little more fearless when it came to snowboarding. Um, but once I was in my 30s, I kind of just, you know, I started getting cold on the on the snowboard. And so I'm going, well, I don't really want to go anymore. I'm too cold and, and whatnot. And I've had a couple of crashes on the skateboard. So I found that BMXing is something that I can still do, and I'll probably do it until I'm 90. <laughs> yeah. Have you upped your, your trick repertoire? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can do – I always tease, tease everybody with my tricks because they're actually fake tricks. They're not really tricks. They're basically like calling something – a trick and all you've really done is taking your two feet off of the pedals. Uh, but you know, we have elaborate names for these and they're, you know, they're we call them bullshit tricks. They're not real. <laughs> the ones that I do aren't real, but there's a bunch of guys that we met, uh, since we moved here to, uh, Ontario and they're like, they're real old school BMX riders and they're our, our buddies. And we just, we just, uh, admire and love them so much. Do you do you have a uh, a few bikes in your collection that you just like to ride? Oh well, before we moved here, um, I lived in Vancouver for thirty years. I've had four bikes stolen uh, in Vancouver. All of those were GTs. Um, I always had GTs, and um, when I met uh, Snake, he was a uh, a GT. He was a Hutch guy and a harrow guy and so when we moved here as a as a moving in gift he bought me uh, an original hutch trick star that is pink and so that's the only bike i ride i'd like to i always tell him i want to get a bike out of a garbage can somewhere so i can ride it around and lock it up you know do stuff but you know with the with the trick stars we don't even lock them up anywhere we just never do anything except ride and go home yeah (laughs) I, I, we always yeah. go to the store. See, I, I was a Harrow guy growing up. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, you know, I had, uh, you know, Matt Hoffman and Dennis McCoy uh, as my heroes when I was riding bikes. Of course, I couldn't do anywhere near the tricks <laughs> that they could, but. I know, but still, it's so fun, isn't it? Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, as you say, you take a couple of crashes and you go, maybe I'll just come bring it down a little bit. That's right. And you know, you know, our pals, I, I have one pal in Vancouver and he, uh, he runs probably 20 K every single day. And then one day he just was standing, uh, just standing there and somehow lost his footing and, and broke his ankle. <laughs> so it wasn't even like he fell off his bike. It's just like, bang, just like that. It happened. <laughs> and so that, that's, that curved him for a while. I guess so. I guess when you start getting up <laughs> in in the That's age right. like like us, it's like doesn't take a lot to to uh, do a little bit of damage. That's right. It really doesn't. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Yeah, it does kind of suck. 
Yeah, that and getting sore knees. Uh, yeah, but I guess that just comes with age. But hey, experience wins. That's right. Experience <laughs> always wins. Now, along with 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 your music, um, do you have any plans to to write another book? I'm actually writing another book now. Oh, great. And, uh, it's been really hard. You know, I've been doing this book. Uh, it's really specific on cancer, and um, and I've got I've oscillated between. Uh, you know, I'll have a chapter, and it'll it'll just kind of I'll get into this wormhole of clinical speak uh, because so there's just so much you can say about every topic. Uh, you know, whether it, whether it's a topic about radiation or being prepared for radiation or being positive during radiation or you know great foods to eat during radiation or great suggest you know it's just like it goes on and on and on and I find that for me like a lot of writers you know basically the wind has to be blowing in the right direction for me to be able to concentrate on writing the best thing I always find is leaving the country or um, my manager has uh, this Massive house in Oakville, of course, because he's a business person and I'm just the artist. Uh, but if I go to his house and there's one room in in their basement uh, that has like terrible Wi-Fi, terrible cell phone reception and no windows, I can sit in there and write and write and write. And it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, every other place is kind of hard. Where if I can write anywhere. When it comes to writing really clinical, engaging stuff about about cancer, uh, I tend to need someplace very, very quiet. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's more finding what hasn't already been said out there, and can you really sort of bring what you've been through to others? Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, they say the same thing about songwriting, so. There's a million love songs. Everybody has written a song about love. It's either about a breakup or yearning or, or or feeling in love. It's been said a million times and in a million ways already. You know, what are we going to be able to say about the topic? But for some reason and somehow, it's it never gets old as a subject. People will always want to hear a love song. They always want to hear breakup songs and they put it on repeat so they have an excuse to cry in their car or whatever the case. And the same is true for cancer books. If you go into, or any health book, really, um, if you go into uh, Chapters Indigo or even go online, wherever you get your books, there are a million books on cancer, on living well with cancer, on being a cancer warrior, on my battle with breast cancer, on my battle with breast cancer, you know, on the open ocean, on my battle with breast cancer and yoga. I mean, there's a million things. And I think that the trick uh, to writing and, and keeping it new and engaging and interesting for people really is just bringing your own experience to it, because that's the only thing that's different. Yeah, I guess yeah, that that says it all right there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure it will be very interesting, especially for those going through it or have been through it to sort of relate and, and sort of maybe see some things that you've done that they haven't tried. Yeah, you know, I hope so. And I think that uh, just moving forward in life, you know, as not just not just us getting older, but I mean, I mean even millennials are getting older. Um, you know, people just you can't stop time. 
And, and as people age, people are living longer. They they tend to live a little better, uh, so they do live longer. But things evolve, um, and cancer evolves. Cancer treatments are always changing, and and uh, it's very interesting. Sadly, the statistics don't seem to change uh, that much. So, you know, for example, out of all of us, think of nine women you know, you know, or eight women that you know, one of them will probably be diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, it's hard to think about, but when you put it in the perspective like that, any of these statistics, you can just apply it to your own life. And it's scary to envision someone that you know or a family member or a spouse uh, that will definitely be diagnosed. And that's because diagnostics are better, quite honestly. Um, so there's always there's always going to be a need for, for information and, and tips <laughs> to get through to get through it and, and survive and, and to do well. Definitely, definitely. And before we wrap up the chat today, uh, I have a segment with my guests called Fast Five. So five questions. First thing that pops in your head, let me know. Okay? Okay. Cool. So where is your favorite place to ride? Um, Lakeshore Road. <laughs> in Lakeshore Road in South Etobicoke. <laughs> Who is someone you would like to write with? To write with? Yes. Um, like a song yeah, a or song. a book? A song. I see. Who would I like to write with? Wow, there's like there's so many people. Oh, I can't even imagine. Let me think. Um, um, um. You know, honestly, I think that it would probably be really, really fun uh, to write a song with Ron Sexsmith. Cool. That would be interesting. It's just a, such an amazing songwriter. Uh, poutine or pizza? Pizza. Uh, favorite drink? Alcoholic or not? Um, not. And I would have to say blueberry green tea, which you can make it hot and then let it get cold in the fridge, and then you can drink it later with ice cubes. Now, where is your favorite uh, place to get a drink at a coffee shop? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, um, um, at a coffee shop. Wow. Well, there's a, there's this place just down the road from us called the Avenue Bistro, and they have really amazing coffee and hot chocolate in there. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me always on Twitter at this naked on Twitter, and then on Instagram at this naked, and then of course on Facebook. Um, and of course, bitnaked.com is my website, but most frequently they can find me on social media. Perfect. Well, thanks very much for, uh, taking the time and having a little chat with me. Thank you for having me on your show. Perfect. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye, Jason. I would like to thank Biff Naked for chatting with me and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter at Jason Perry. That's at Jason P-E-R-R-I-E-R. And use the hashtag chance to chat with if there's someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out. <laughs>